What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And he swings, hits it high, and deep, and gone! Still going back! Yeah! Oh! Out of here! Welcome to the big leagues! Deep to center field, and it is gone! Wow, his first big league swing is going to be a grand slam home run. Swing and drive! Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. We've got the top 50 prospects, technically top 55, to break down here in today's episode. It's Tuesday, April 18th. I'm Arm Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And Jack, we have the top 50 now that we're going to break into, which is obviously a very exciting group. We talked about it on the other on the other episode of where this is where it enters like the, the potential – Stars And yes, there's going to be guys on the back half of this list that will become stars. But I, I have a higher confidence interval in the top 50 guys, uh, you know, potentially being multi all stars. And you can kind of see the difference in the caliber of prospect as we start to break into the top 50. Yeah. Are you saying that's how these lists work? Right. You have more yeah. confidence in this guy being a star than you yeah. have more confidence in the number 50 guy than the number 60 guy. Yes. Fair. If you boil it down to that, it does. It's like, duh. But. I, I do feel like right at this range here, like we start, we ended with Edgar Caro yesterday yeah. uh, of the Angels. We start with Josh Young of the Rangers today. I feel like today is like, like in the 50 range, you just kind of see it shift more dramatically there, I think. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like you've got guys like Josh Young, while he may not be perennial all-star caliber at any point in his career, Josh Young is a 25-year-old that feels like he can hold down third base for half the baseball teams in this league. So, like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that you have the safer options are really safe when you get to this echelon and, and the star options, the high upside options, the ceiling is so much higher than like guys that you see in the, in the 70 and 80 range. And, you know, just a, just a warning, I'm going to have to sit number 50 out because I can't put my bias aside there, but everybody else <laughs> I'll be ready to help out. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And, and one quick note as well, uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with your friends uh, who might enjoy minor league baseball, might want some more, prospect info dynasty whatever it may be uh and if you could take a second to leave a rating that would be fantastic help us grow the show as well as subscribe on our youtube which is encroaching on 1.5 thousand which is really really cool 1500 subscribers there is very exciting so uh appreciate everybody there we also had a lot of fun with those who hung out with us on that youtube live uh yeah. where we did a lot of q a uh we'll start doing that more often i don't think we need to have a, a top 100 list dropped every single time to do the live q a uh maybe we'll do that like every month and catch up on the minor leagues uh you know with with a little bit of a q a opportunity there uh but let's jump into this top 55 here and it's starting with as we mentioned 
Josh Young. So Josh Young is pretty much going to graduate. And that was one of the questions we actually got in uh, on one of the videos we put out as one of these top 100 breakdown videos was, you know, not a complaint, I think is what it said. Like, I, what's the criteria of graduating, you know, these hitters or, or prospects in general? Because I want to see more guys come in here that we can learn more about, which is 100% understandable. And like Josh Young is, is in that territory of like big leaguer who we rank. Um, you know, I think I think he's about to pretty much graduate if he hasn't already. Uh, and by the time we get through this top 100, we are going to clean it up. Uh, graduate a few of the folks that, you know, are right on the brink of it or have already graduated, like uh, a few of the others that we'll get to. And then, you know, add a few new names in there and we'll just mention it on the next episode, you know, when new guys enter the top 100. But that's the new thing that we want to do is we want to keep it a little bit fluid and have, uh, you know, some more fun with that as players enter and exit the top 100 and then have the big midseason update when that comes around. But starting with Josh Young, he has not quite put it all together at the big league level yet, and that's totally fine, right? This is something that that usually takes some time when you're a uh, an aggressive hitter specifically too, and Josh Young is a pretty aggressive hitter. Uh, that's the one thing I'd like to see get better because he in, in spurts in the minor leagues, he was patient, walked a little bit more, but now you know we're seeing him not walk as much, and yes, he's putting the, the ball in play consistently, but you know the, the walk rate has been kind of low. That said, he seemed to have really hit his stride over the last few games. We've seen the batting average creep up. He's setting the ball hard. The bat-to-ball skills have always been there, and I really think the strikeout rate's only a little bit high because of the aggressive nature of his approach rather than you know him not or him having swing and miss issues. The defense looks really solid at third. I think he's an average or better defender there. And um, I mean, we see above-average hit tool potential and and plus power. Even if the hit tool is closer to average. He's going to be a very productive player at the hot corner for a long time. For sure. And he is off to a good start so far this year. I mean, this guy like has really never struggled at any level. You could say, you know, last year after the shoulder thing and his month at the big league level was when he really dealt with adversity at a 650 OPS in his first big league cameo. And, you know, yeah, that's not very good. That's not what we expect Josh Young to do. But if that's the first time you ever face adversity before that, his previous low at any stop, regardless of game OPS wise, was 750 in yeah. low A, right out of right out of Texas Tech. So, I mean, like. I don't know. This guy was obviously too good for minor league baseball. Um, And yes, he's been on the top 100 list for the last four years. Um, He's older, but that's only because of injury. I I think that this guy is, I want to say safe hitter. Um, Yeah, no, he is. Yeah. Like he's a safe power bat. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, And what's, what's really cool about it is this was a guy that could have easily had last season be lost. You know, a labrum issue is not easy for a hitter to come back from. And he worked his butt off to not only come back from it because, because he had, he got hurt right at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Came back from it and not only played in triple a performed in triple a, he got a taste of the big leagues off of that labrum surgery. So yeah, he didn't play to the level that we would have wanted to see in his big league debut, but he was coming off of a labrum and quickly played his way up to a big league debut. So that says a lot about the work ethic. That says a lot about Josh Young. And that seems to just be the MO with him. Uh, And that's why I know the Rangers are extremely high on him. He's going to be a big building block for them. And I think his development is going to be a big part of the Rangers' success. He should start to hit his stride in terms of turning into that well above average regular 
right around the time that the Rangers are looking to really compete, which could be right right now in the back half of this year or as soon as next season. And I think Josh Young could turn into that, you know, really solid 130 WRC plus guy uh, as soon as the second half of this year and maybe next year. Well, and the thing is, like, he's pumping out a 290 clip with a 500 slug right now through 15 yeah. games. And, and that's what the Mariners want from or what the Rangers, what yeah, the Rangers sorry. want. What the Rangers want from Josh Young. So I, I yeah. think if they're getting that from Josh Young throughout the entirety of the season, I mean, hey, you're really happy with this guy being your third baseman of the future. Absolutely. And I really like where the glove has has you know kind of developed to. And, and he's a very solid defender there. And this is the wonderful thing about these lists is now we go to the polar opposite type of prospect and Emmanuel Rodriguez, outfielder, Minnesota Twins. This dude is a special talent. Uh, he already hits the ball so darn hard and and really like has staying power in center field. He's 20 years old. Uh, he's still like getting it going offensively uh, now that he's kind of in this first season of of really being challenged level wise. He was hurt a lot last year, which I think held him back in his development a tad. Uh, and he's an extremely passive hitter, which is interesting. So, you know, I think he's still feeling out, you know, towing that line between being passive and being patient. And that's always a delicate balance. Uh, right now, he's striking out about half of his at-bats, which you don't want to see. Uh, so far in high A, 17 punch-outs and 34 plate appearances. Walking at a 15% clip, three home runs. It's that Owen Casey-esque slash line, 185, 324, 630. Yeah. Um, but it's a testament to the power here, right? This is a 20-year-old that's in high A who is already putting up exit velocities over 111 miles an hour, which is insane given he's 5'11 200 he moves pretty well i think he can stay in center worst case he moves to a corner where the bat will more than profile uh but this is a really special talent we just have to see how the the bat develops hit tool wise i have hope that he's not going to be a high volume strikeout guy and i really do think it's just passiveness and swing decisions rather than big whiff issues or anything like that yeah, I mean, if you watch his movements, it looks like, you know, big, big whiff issues. But yeah, like he may be able to quiet those down as he just gets older. And again, finishes going through puberty. This guy's a brand new 20 years old. He just turned 20. He's got a leap year birthday, by the way, February 28th. I saw that when I was putting the dates in the back end. I, I saw that. That was yeah. actually interesting. So congratulations to five-year-old Emmanuel Rodriguez for yeah. being the, uh, the youngest member of the top 100 list. Um, no, I mean... When I watch Emmanuel Rodriguez, you know, it looks like he pops 112s and he popped a 112 as a 19 year old last year. Yeah. That swing yeah. is so violent and I feel like it can produce these massive numbers. You know, it, it's it's almost like a young bias, the way that the entire body gets into the swing and you say, oh, my gosh, this yeah. is going to go 500 feet. And and that's the thing is like, you know, honing that in and what I do like about about Rodriguez is not a super loud barrel tip, not a huge leg kick, not a lot of moving parts that, you know, can throw you off like Baez. So hopefully he can kind of continue to use that as, as a way to at least have an average hit tool. What really stood out to me was this stat that I have in the write up here is last year, 20 of his 37 hits traveled at least hundred miles per hour. <laughs> like yeah. That is insane. So it's about consistency for him. And, you know, that's the, the name of the game for a lot of these young, talented hitters. But what he's already showed us is enough to say, hey, this is a special 
offensive talent potentially. And that's what he was viewed as when he was signed as an international free agent for $2.5 million. So I I like that the Twins have a guy like this in their system because for the most part, a lot of their – other than Royce Lewis, uh, who already I think now looks like a really well-rounded prospect, but a lot of their other guys – you know, don't have that kind of monster offensive upside. So it's fun to see a big time power prospect who could potentially stick in center in Emmanuel Rodriguez. This is a candidate too, that if it all clicks for him, he's top 10 prospect in baseball upside. But if he really struggles to make contact, we could see him sink, you know, a, a decent amount as well. I think we're kind of in the middle of the industry when it comes to Emmanuel. Yeah, you are smack dab in the middle. I saw a pipeline has him in the 90s and then a couple outlets have him in the 40s. Um, so, yeah, Rodriguez is a guy that I, I think we're split in the middle on. Um, it, it's it's a simple like start. Right. Yeah. I mean, he rests the barrel on his shoulder and then he gets into that, you know, crazy strength that he's got at 20 years old, which is really interesting. Can't teach that kind of bad speed. Uh, so no. I'm interested to see how he can continue to leverage that quickness to the ball into better swing decisions and more contact. Yeah. Better swing decisions and more contact is exactly what has helped Bryce Turang develop into a very solid big leaguer. And this is one that, you know, yes, he's looked really good in the big leagues. Easy to rank him as a prospect, uh, a highly regarded prospect now. But this is somebody that we were talking about before the season that we said that this is where we would have pegged him was right in the 50 to 60 range. Turang was one of my favorite guys to watch at the end of last year with the improvements that he's made in the power department uh, adjustments to his lower half to tap into more juice. We know the speed is there. We know the glove is elite. And that was all he was really missing was more impact. And he made a lot more impact last year by tapping into that lower half and just really lifting the ball more consistently. I have a whole thread on Bryce Turang, which you can check out on my Twitter. If you just search my at RM Layton eight and then put in Bryce Turang, You'll, you'll see the whole thread breakdown. I also run an article breaking it down, so that might actually be easier to go check out. Um, but an article on JustBaseball.com where you can kind of see all of the swing adjustments that I detailed uh, on Touring and how he was able to kind of get into more juice. But we saw his 90th percentile exit velocity jump by multiple ticks. Uh, didn't come as at expense of the contact rates. Started to see him tap into more power in Nashville, which is important to know because Biloxi is a launch pad, double A. And his, his power numbers jumped in Nashville, which is one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks in the minor leagues in AAA. So you jump a level and go into a less hitter-friendly ballpark, and he sets career highs and extra base hits and all that good stuff. Also an incredibly efficient base dealer and off to a really good start in his big league career. Yeah, I the thing that I like about Terang is – the stolen bases are not going away. Like I noticed that about Terang last year when I watched him for a week and he is not only a quick guy, but he's a smart base runner too. He steals bases at a high efficiency, three for four on the young season so far. Are you, are you concerned that he's got a 24% K rate right now? Cause 24 is like league average. I view him as a below league average guy. I view him as like a high teens, low twenties. He's in the mid twenties in K rate in his first 50 plate appearances. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. It is an interesting note in the early going, but you know, I, I think this is just a guy getting acclimated to the big leagues. I do think there's gonna be a little bit more swing and miss than maybe, you know, some of the other hitters with his profile. That's why I have a fifty-five hit tool instead of a sixty um yeah. or a sixty-five. But 
I, I don't think he's ever going to be a 25% strikeout guy. I think he's going to be anywhere from 18 to 20 and he's going to put a lot of, a lot of bat on ball. He's going to walk. And uh, I think that'll continue to go down. I, I really do. And he, he he's just had some, some games here and there, like where one game he punched out three times against the Padres and that really juices up the, uh, the strikeout rate, but he's had several others where he doesn't strike out or only strikes out once. So I, I think he's going to be just fine in that regard. Yeah. If, if you were to like stereotype the build, like if Bryce Terang fit the template of the player that, you know, we're, we're talking about to a T, he's probably a 60 hit 40 power guy and he's 55, 40, but he's a better defender and he's a better runner than that. Like template that you would fit him into. Yeah. Um, think about this, man, just because of what he can do defensively, He's already got half a win in terms of B-War, and I think he's a .5 F-War guy too. I mean, if he's playing a full 150 games, he's probably a three-win player. At least, and that's what I was saying with him going into this year is like I felt really good about him being a three-win player as a rookie and potentially growing into a three-and-a-half, four-win player with the defense that you get, with the speed that you get, and that power is going to sneaky play in 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 milwaukee you know in american family field where you know those 105 mile per hour batted balls will will get out there speaking of the 105 mile per hour batted balls the thing the one stat that really encapsulates Turing's improved power is that last year he had more 105 plus mile per hour batted balls than his previous two seasons combined think about that playing at the highest level of his career in triple a he had more 105 plus mile per hour batted balls than the previous two seasons against much lesser competition and in, in, in high A and double. That says a lot about where Turing's headed offensively and where he continues to go. And, and I think he's going to be a, a very solid bat, 110, 115 WRC plus, a ton of stolen bases and great defense at shortstop and elite defense at second. Like I, this is a guy that can play a high level shortstop. He was a plus defensive shortstop for us. So imagine what he is at second. Yeah. Moving on to 52. This is somebody that I fully expect to fly up the ranks now that he is hitting the ball even harder. And this is Kyle Manzardo, first base prospect, Tampa Bay Rays. And you can see the swing right now if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, It is so simple. It's an early load. It's a toe tap. And he just uncorks on it. And what's awesome is. He's somebody that he, – he mentioned this on Locked on Rays, which is a, 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 the best Rays podcast out there. They do a good job of getting the prospects on there. They've had Manzardo. They've had Mead. They've had some other guys. But um, what Manzardo mentioned on that Locked on Rays podcast was that last year he was really focused on making contact and really focused on just putting bat on ball consistently. And when I initially heard that, I'll be honest, I was like, sure. Like, you know, uh, okay, how much harder can you consciously hit the ball? Uh, you know, I really – I kind of took it with a grain of salt, to be fully honest. Uh, What we're seeing this year is a Manzardo that is hitting the ball a lot harder. He's already hitting max exit velocities that are way up from what we saw from him last year. His 90th percentile exit velocity is at 106.5 miles per hour. For reference, that's up four miles per hour. It's early, small sample size, but that's up four miles per hour from last year. More importantly, much easier note of reference that you don't need a large sample size on this season for is max exit velocity last year for Manzardo, 108 miles per hour. Max exit velocity this year for Manzardo, 112. Again, a four tick increase. So this 22-year-old, about to be 23 in a few months, is hitting the ball harder. 
And we always knew that he had the bat-to-ball skills. He has an elite approach. He doesn't chase. Last year, chased at only 21% clip, 86% zone contact. And now he's, he's showing plus exit velocities. Kyle Manzardo is somebody that by the time the update comes around, I think he's going to be top 20. He's going to be, I think, right in that Curtis Mead range, too, uh, if he continues to show this kind of power. As a first baseman, I'm thinking the only first baseman you've put in that top 20 conversation to this point is Casas. And like, again, way too early to like totally rid Tristan Casas of of any of that. But like that tells you the kind of hitter you have to be in the minor leagues as a prospect to reach that top 20. And Casas was that guy. Manzardo, while he was amazing last year, he might not have been that guy. But now that he's made those changes to kind of like fall into that first base template while also being a very unique hit profile in Kyle Manzardo. I think that's why you can view him in that Casas light, right? So um, Manzardo last year was one of the best performers in minor league baseball, full stop. He hit 330. He had a 1043 OPS, 26 doubles, 22 homers, struck out 65 times in 93 games. So like this guy is not going to swing and miss much. He's going to take his walks. He's going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, going to get on base at a 400 clip, and he's going to hit over 300. That's what he has proven at Washington State. That's what he has proven at every single stop in the minor leagues. Until proven otherwise, that's who he is. And and it's funny because, you know, I, I did this write-up, specifically his before the season started, and look at what I have for him on raw power. <laughs> I had 50 yeah. because that's what he was. He was a 102-mile-per-hour, 90th percentile exit velocity, and a 108 max. A 108 max is – not that great. That's not that far ahead of Stephen Kwan. <laughs> like it, it, for a first baseman, that's that's a concerning profile to the degree of like what's the ceiling. Obviously, you could still be a productive hitter in the major leagues if you, especially if you lift the ball in the air. But it limited the ceiling. Now it looks like I've got to adjust that. Um, it's very rare that you're going to see like at least I'll bake in the future raw power. But I really didn't see it there with Menzardo because. He wasn't doing it, and he didn't have that much room for projection in the frame. But clearly, he has found something here to now where it's at very least 55. It's probably close to 60. And with a 60 hit tool and a, and a 60 uh, raw power, now we're looking at a guy that's easily one of the best offensive profiles in minor league baseball. What I said going into this year, as you can see in the TLDR, is another – Breakout offensive prospect in the race system, and Zardo offers one of the safest offensive profiles you'll see. Take safe offensive profile, add some power in there, and now you've just got one of the best offensive profiles. Manzardo is going to be somebody that's well above 52, I think, in the coming months. Yeah. Next up is Bo Naylor, another one that I think could be up further up in this list very soon and could be up in the big leagues very soon, maybe so that you might not even get a chance to rise up this list. Catcher, Cleveland Guardians. Um, Bo is is just a really, really special talent. We've talked about him a lot. To be as athletic as he is as a catcher uh, is impressive. To have the power that he has is impressive. He continues to develop with the glove. Uh, but what, what I really like about Naylor is is the changes that he's made, too. I detailed Naylor's in, in a thread as well. And I, I really break it down in the write-up here for Naylor. And reminder that you can follow along on these write-ups in the podcast description uh, where we have it linked there so you can follow along. But he added a leg kick to really get into that backside more. And what's crazy about it is actually the leg kick with that movement that you'd think might throw off the timing. 
he, it actually helped his timing because he started it earlier. He got into a position to hit earlier and he made more contact, hit the ball way harder. And the zone contact was way better. The swing decisions were way better. Everything was better across the board after that really rough season uh, a, a year and a half ago. And now Bo Naylor looks like a legitimate force to be reckoned with. I talked to a couple guys that had recently played against Naylor in AAA, and they both said that he stood out among some of the other players that they've seen thus far and that he looks like the real deal. Uh, so anytime you hear opposing you know, players say something about, you know, I didn't ask specifically Bo Naylor. I just said, you know, who's been standing out to you? And both instantly said Bo Naylor. Uh, and I can see why he's killing the ball right now. And he was killing the ball last year in the freezing cold, in the freezing cold. He's killing the ball right now. And the thing that jumps out to me is he's killing the ball. Pitchers are staying away from him and that's resulting in an absurd walk rate. He's walked 15 times in 15 games, man. Yeah, that's crazy. Here's the thing about Naylor. He stunk in 21 and he didn't walk. He started walking last year. He tapped into more power, and he was amazing last year. Yep. This year, he's walking a ton, and he's amazing still. So he needed to tap into a bit more power to strike a bit more fear into opposing pitchers, and now everything else is jumping. Guy's hitting 241 in 15 games, but he's got a 410 OBP. Um, I have heard concerns about his receiving skills, yeah. about his defensive acumen. What have you seen? I think he's getting better. Like I, I do think that he's always going to be a fringy defender, but I don't see anything that's like to the point of I don't know. You don't if we see liability. Yeah, like I, I don't see liability, especially if you have an elite backup defensive catcher. Naylor, the thing that stands out to me with Naylor is he's so athletic. He blocks really well, and he's continuing yeah. to get better there. Like, sure, the receiving is is not where you want it to be, but that might, we always talk about that's probably going to – if you're going to have one area of your game maybe not be there, it's probably that, right? Because we know that that might be obsolete in a little, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but regardless, you know, I think you can pallet that if you have somebody that's not giving away 90 feet. Uh, you know, with pass balls and stuff like that. And I think he's gotten better in that regard. And um, it just, he seems to be more comfortable from what I've seen, but I could definitely understand the receiving, not totally being there. Remember he just turned 23 too. Um, and, and, and he's a very athletic, athletic player that uh, I feel like you, you got to be able to teach that guy in a frame. You mentioned the power and how that's kind of helped him walk more. What's amazing to me, dude, is again, like that to contextualize what I was saying, like that, that leg kick that he added that you'd think would be like, Oh, okay. Well now he's selling out for more power and then he's going to make even less contact. 7% increase in in zone contact while having the power breakout. That's another one of those where it's just like, you can't poke a hole in that kind of improvement. There is no drawback. It was all gain from bone Naylor, And you'll love to see that. Okay. So I ask you bat first catcher. Who's the better prospect, Bo Naylor right now or MJ Melendez at this point last year? Oh, that's actually a great question because they're very, 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 very similar. And I think Naylor, from what you're saying, is less of a defensive liability than Melendez is behind the plate. Yes. I also thought that Melendez would be a better defender. So I like the hindsight hits on that one. I'd probably say MJ because he hit 40 home runs. Right. And – that swing is just too too nice. Um, but in terms of like now that we know what we know about MJ defensively, I'd say Naylor. Like I don't think Naylor is as bad as is what we've seen from MJ defensively. So but offensively, I I'd take that MJ bat. Like I still think he's gonna get it going, but 
That's a really good question. Those guys are very similar. Very. Next up, number 50, Zach Veen, outfielder, Colorado Rockies. Zach Veen, monster upside. Um, We know that. Now he's finally tapping into a little bit more juice. 21 years old, former first-round pick. I mean, we know what this guy can be. I do have concerns about the hit tool. I do have concerns about you know how how consistently he's going to tap into the power, but he's starting to show signs in that regard. He's just 21 and is already you know getting his second little taste of of double A. Where you know he looked good in the fall league. He's showing us some flashes. I just want to see that consistency. But overall, Veen, we know what he can be. It's it's elite speed. Uh, it's plus power potential staying power in center field and hopefully an average hit tool. Uh, but you know, I, the projection is there. He's six, four, and flies. Yeah. Two things in his early goings in his first week and change of being in Hartford. He's played eight games. He's punched out six times in 36 plate appearances, which is a great number for Veen. And I will gladly take that number for Zach Veen. The other one that jumps out, he's five for five in the stolen base department already. I mean, what he's got seven hits. He's walked six times. So that's 13 times on base. He's five for five in the stolen base department. Come on now. That's the thing. So is Veen going to be – so we were kind of looking at this like big power guy, um, right? The big power potential and then some speed too. Like maybe Veen's more of just the stolen base threat. Like that, that's the interesting thing. Because last year, 102 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velocity – um, and I actually think it was slightly lower than that. I actually think it was closer to 101. There was a couple uh, errors in his uh, data last year uh, that I've seen. Like, uh, there's a home that has a measured home run at 122 that just was not oh. 122. Yeah. It just wasn't. I can confirm it wasn't. Um, so it kind of skews it a little bit. He had a couple, a couple of juiced uh, exit velocities in the in the data there. Uh, but that said. Like that's still a really good profile, but I do I do wonder like maybe he leans into the hit tool thing a little bit more and, and instead of the thirty home run power potential because like I am starting to wonder how much power is in there because those long levers have not really turned into monster exit velocities just yet. Yeah, um, I think that he's going to hit enough in, in Colorado in terms of homer output. I think that he'll he'll homer enough in Colorado. I think that he can be a great doubles hitter in Colorado with how spacious that outfield is, especially because, you know, I can see some like short looping line drives into left center that he just busts out of the box as a lefty bat and gets to second. Like he adds five to seven hustle doubles a year and it could be a 40 to 45 double guy. Um, So I think that the slug will be there because of the speed. I, I think that some of those doubles will help enhance that slug number. Um, yeah, a little worried about the homer output, but I mean, this guy's going to run berserk when he gets yeah. up. And, and a six-four guy that runs like this, do we have an example of that in Major League Baseball right now? I like maybe Yelich in his prime. Um, He's a better base dealer than Yelich ever was. Yes, that's for well, that's for sure. But like Yelich in his prime was stealing thirty bags, you know, yeah. like he was moving. Um, probably a better hitter, but I, that's the best I can think of. Uh, like I'm looking Yelich in 
and single ice stole 32 bags and high ice stole 20. So yeah, never quite the base dealer there, but Yelich 6'3, 195, and you know, move better than you'd expect. I, there's not really that many examples of that. What's interesting with Yelich too is like I use this comp a lot for, for players that are you know developing and you see the long levers and the power potential, but it's not quite there. Like Veen is another one of those guys that could find the power at you know, age 25. <laughs> so yeah. that's the interesting thing about it because the levers are there and every once in a while he smacks one and you're like, Oh, there it is. But it's just not consistent enough. So it's really hard to, to map it out. But with the speed that he has and the base stealing ability, that's enough to, to really see a, a potential, you know, gap to gap guy at the very least that can hit you 15, 20, and just be an elite base dealer and play center field. Like that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, and, and if he has to move to a corner, he's got a good arm there and that'll play just fine. So Veen's extremely exciting. Sorry. Yeah. I don't think he has to move to a corner. Nah, he shouldn't. Not with his speed. His, his reads got to get a little bit better, but he's young. I think that'll continue to get better. If he taps into the power, like we think he can, I mean, he's another guy that could be one of the most exciting and dynamic prospects in baseball. Very interested to see. If that can happen, that said, I am very uh, I do love what we're seeing from him in the patience department, walking a lot more, as you mentioned, like just a better approach overall. I think that's going to translate into better offensive numbers and more power as he continues to to improve in that regard with his swing decisions. Yep. Forty nine Tink Hence. And have we gotten an update on Tink Hence yet of the St. Louis Cardinals? Uh, unfortunately he was pulled from a start. He just, you know, the trainers came out there, they talked about something and he walked off, which you never want to see from you know some of the most talented, you don't want to see it from anybody, but hence is one of the most talented young pitching prospects in baseball, you know, potential plus plus fastball, a plus curveball, and flashes of an above average changeup with some of the best athleticism you're going to see out of a pitcher. I mean, the the upside is immense. So far, all we know is hence undisclosed was placed on the seven day injured list for high Peoria. That was as of today. Um, is that the same update you're getting over there, Jack? Yeah. Derek Gold of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, he he elaborated on that a little bit more. He said, quote, Tink Hence won't make his next start as advertised. The team's plan was to have him throw a bullpen as scheduled and see how the arm responds. Seven-day IL is short enough that he's already spent five days of it since leaving April 13th with trainer after wild pitch. So it sounds like um, there was a little flare-up, and he's going to throw a bullpen in the next couple of days, and he may come off the seven-day IL pretty soon. Hope he's okay. Fastball velocity is something to watch there. And, I mean, the fastball is crazy. Uh, you know, I guess that's good news, though, overall, um, you know, that it's nothing – that needed a major MRI or at least from what we understand, like didn't need him to, you know, miss any, any prolonged amount of time. They already want to get him back on the bump. But uh, I mean, going to last year, cause the, the numbers are roughly the same His velocity is actually up a little bit this year, which is nuts. 96 mile an hour fastball. The, the one thing is they kind of used him in short spurts. I've been wanting to see him stretched out and maybe now we're seeing why they've been very careful with him. Um, but in those short spurts, three, four innings, he's sitting 96, touching 99 curveball is gross. And again, the changeup is flashed, you know, above average. He's so athletic. I know you could probably geek out about his, his mechanics a little bit, Jack, like he is fun to watch pitch 
because of the way his body moves. He looks like a, a shortstop pitching. Uh, that's what's really cool about, about Hens is he looks like a guy that you could almost throw in the infield and he'd look, he'd be scooping up ground balls with ease because of how well his body moves. It's so fluid. It's so loose. It's so explosive. Um, he's just one of the better athletes you're going to find on a mound. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the right way to describe his delivery because you almost see a, a rock back and then all of his weight immediately transfers towards the hill. He feels everything as he works towards the plate. And it's it's all, it feels like one f- swell movement, um, one fell swoop of a movement. Like Logan Webb, I think is a good example of that. I, I think Logan Webb does a good job of like everything kind of moving in unison. It doesn't look like, hey, the upper body moves and then the lower body moves. Yeah. Everything after that kick will all work together. And it's so seamless. Like there's no hitch anywhere. And that's kind of Tank Hens. And what I like about him too is you talk about how smooth it is, how and that's the athleticism and how loose he is. He he has that kind of we're talking about it with Bryce Miller, that low drive and, and a little bit of that shoulder tilt where he hides the ball and he's a high spin fastball guy. So it looks like he's having that kind of upward release a bit and the fastball just takes off. Yeah. Uh, that that's going to be an elite fastball at the big league level. There's some reliever risk here, obviously. They've been they've babied him kind of Dodger style with the the two, three, four inning spurts. Even I thought when he went to the fall league, we'd see him stretched out. We actually saw him shortened up even more yeah. one inning spurts in the fall league. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, dive too deep into what they're doing. Obviously, they know what they're doing with Tink Henson. Um, I mean, the, the Cardinals have done such a good job with development here. So there's a method to the madness, but I'm just very eager to see him stretched out now that he's dealt with a little flare up. I doubt we're going to see him stretched out anytime soon. So it's, it's the one thing that's holding him back maybe from being a top 30, top 40 prospect, what rather than a top 50 guy is just, we haven't really seen him go two, three times through an order. Um, and, and that's about it. But other than that, the arm talent is as good as you're going to find. Yeah. And I mean, one last thing on, on the fastball, you've got 70 future on the fastball. It's a high spin four seamer. High spin four seamers get hit out of the ballpark. His has not. He has faced yeah. what 266 batters in his minor league and fall league career so far. Two have homered. So I understand lower level, but nobody's homering against his fastball, which is really interesting. That'll probably change when he gets the upper minors in the big league level, but that's an encouraging sign that it won't be egregious. That's saying a lot in the fall league. You know, Florida State League, it's a little easier to keep the ball in the yard. But in the fall league, even in, in a short sample size, if you're throwing a fastball that's hittable, it was getting hit out there. There were a lot of really good bats, and we know the ball flies out there in Arizona. Real quick before we get to number 48, who's another incredibly talented right-handed pitching prospect, Mick Abel, I want to tell you a little bit about So Rare MLB, which is a free-to-play fantasy game. I know I've got you on, Jack, uh, where you can pretty much draft your lineup. You get 120 points. It's weekly fantasy, and you have to budget it. So the better that your player is, the more points he's going to cost. The best players cost 20 points. You know, The lesser players or perceived lesser players can be five, six, seven points. You get creative. You put your lineup together. You go into a competition. I'm in the minors competition, uh, or you can do the prospect competition. Both of those are free. And when you do that, if you finish in the top whatever, you can win VIP experiences, game tickets, prizes, Ethereum rewards, whatever you, you may 
win based on what designation you know you're you're in the threshold of of what rewards you get what i love about it is it's free to play if you want to kind of just get your feet wet i obviously got the bug fell in love with it and started buying rarer cards and entering into you know higher level competitions but it's a great way to try it out see how you like it you get rewards where you can get better cards for your lineup and keep fortifying that lineup week to week and it's a lot of fun. The link is in our podcast description to go check it out. Uh, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Jack, have you any, had any like learning curve from So Rare so far? No, I, I was going to say the thing that I love about it most is like I'm not typically the type to roll over a team or a player. I like starting from scratch. I think on the Just Baseball show, we've talked about like how I go about MLB The Show where yeah. I just immediately fantasy draft a franchise team. And then as soon as I'm done, like perfecting that roster, I'll quit and start over again. Um, so that's my favorite part about so rare. I have that opportunity. Fantasy baseball is tough because I got to be with the same team for the entire year. And not everybody is willing to wheel and deal like I am. Um, so I like almost starting from scratch. And, and the beauty of what we do is we get to talk about a lot of the, non-star guys so the call-up is entirely dedicated yeah. to young guys that can break in and make an impact at the major league level so when i see a low price on graham ashcraft at the beginning of the year i scoop him up in my so rare That's lineup exactly and all of a sudden he pumps out a sub too so i love you know taking some of the guys that we've talked about here like hey you know Neto just got the call up Beatty just got recalled Go grab a Neto or a Beatty because they're going to be dirt cheap on so rare. And, and then it, win. it allows you to get like Shohei. So that's what I did. I, I had Ashcraft and then Shohei. And then my lineup was great the first week. And then you get a reward. And my reward was uh, Francisco Lindor. So I plugged him into the lineup. And, and, and that's the cool thing is you, more. as you build your Rolodex of cards, the more cards you have, the more you can mix and match with your lineup. And again, that, those are free rewards. But if you want to start getting into the higher level stuff and whatever, you can also go buy cards and then you can sell them. So like the thing with Ashcraft is I, I bought him for cheap. He's doing really well. And if I want to sell him, I could probably use that to go buy other cards uh, that are higher level players because of what I got in at. So it's, it's really fun. Check out the link in the description. A lot of people have been DMing me their lineups, which is really fun. Feel free to DM me your lineup that you put together, the team that you draft. And um, I always like talking so rare MLB with you. Check that link in the description so they know that we sent you. Number 48 is Mick Abel, who just edges out, hence for kind of the reasons we were talking about, both extremely talented prep arms, uh, both from the 2020 draft. Of course, Abel, 15th overall pick. Uh, he is a big dude, 6'5", 195, another electric, electric fastball. And it's really about the command for Mick Abel, which we have a 35 present on. But if he can even have fringy command, when you've got a plus fastball that's bordering plus plus, a plus slider, he's change up flashes above average and curveball flashes average. That's a four pitch mix that's going to be damn good. 21 years old. Fastball so far this year has even ticked up a slight notch. He was or actually a full tick. He was 96 on average over the course of last season. In the early going of this season, he's averaging 97.2 miles per hour. Small sample size of 46 fastballs, but that is worth noting. You look at, at what he's topped out at as well. He's already touched triple digits this year. Uh, so this fastball keeps getting better and better for him. And it's I, I love his mechanics. I love how loose and free his arm is and how quick it is. And that slider is gross. 
if the changeup keeps getting better, like it, like we see it, this is a potential number two type that could be a force for the Phillies who keep doing well with with the prep arms that they've drafted. Potential number two with Painter as the one, right? <laughs> special dub. That's a special it, duo. I mean, you go from Aaron Nola hits the open market after this year. Wheeler is still, you know, under contract for a couple more years here. But you're looking at life after Nola if you do not allocate the funds to retain Aaron Nola. And, you know, if you do, you're running out a, a possible five of Wheeler, Nola, Taiwan Walker, Painter, and Mick Abel in two years. And that's freaking gross. Um, Taiwan Walker, like, that four-year deal was really interesting to me because Painter is right there and, and Abel, while he is just starting like his first full season in double, it feels like he can be there at the end of next year. So I thought four was kind of crazy. I thought three would have made a bit more sense for Taiwan Walker, but yeah, I get it. You don't want to bank on these guys. Um, Mick Abel is a great athlete that's pitching, just like we talked about with Tink Hens. And, and yeah, like you highlighted the main concern for me. It feels like he walks everybody, man. He's walked yeah, six guys in two starts already. So first start of the year against Richmond, um, which is the double-A affiliate for the Giants, he only went two-thirds of an inning. He gave up a hit, walked four, two earned runs, two strikeouts, they pulled him. Bounced back in a big way, last start on the 13th. So he should be due to pitch today as we're recording this. But four innings against Hartford, against the, the fighting Zach Veens, Four innings, three hits, one run, two walks, four Ks. That's a lot more like it. So hopefully you can build on that and take that to five innings, six Ks, and and keep going from there. But definitely a shaky first start. That's the thing with with Abel. He's athletic, so you expect better command. But it's easy. you got to remember he's long, too. He's 6'5". Yeah. He's still 21, and he's still kind of learning how to control his body and throw more strikes. Uh, but the upside is crazy. The floor is pretty much high leverage reliever, but I, I think he's too talented to even really consider reliever risk. Um, I think he's going to be a, a really good starter. Uh, but I think if the command is continues to be fringy, it'll be more of he's a back end starter that shows you flashes of a three or a two that frustrates the hell out of you more so than a bullpen guy. We've got plenty of those guys in Major League Baseball. <laughs> There's room for more. Uh, we go to number 47, and I actually am excited to talk about him because I've act, I've probably shifted on this player more than anybody in the last couple months because we did the Rays top 10, and Carson Williams was right there with Junior Caminero, and then I did a little bit more of a dive into the defense of Carson Williams. And this guy's a plus defender at short. So you pair plus defense at short with plus raw power, and you know we'll see how much he can hit. But that power glove combination will play, and the swing is good. Like I think he's going to continue to get better when it comes to the swing. His bat to ball skills are better than you'd expect. He's still getting better at, at kind of maneuvering the lower half and getting better with the lower half. But it's pretty easy to get excited about a profile of a high schooler who. Already hit a ton of bombs in his first year. Uh, already looks like a plus defender. Moves well. And you hope can develop even into an average hitter. As an 18-year-old in his first year of, of pro ball, he was putting up some big power numbers. 
I think he's the least known guy in this range. You know what I mean? Like I, I think that not many people know much at all about Carson Williams because he is just 20 years old. Um, But Carson Williams can like really hit man. And, And you say that you're really impressed by the defense too. He's a base stealer. He worked at a really low efficiency last year, but he stole bases nonetheless. I mean, dude, 22 doubles, 10 triples, 19 homers as a 19 year old in like, a brutal environment to hit in in Charleston. And he was 18 for the first several months of the season. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that I think is just going to fly under the radar until he gets to Durham and it's, Oh, the Rays have another one. Yep. 110 mile per hour home run. He hit last year as he was still 18 when he hit it. So like that is a rocket from an 18 year old. If he was an international free agent doing that, I feel like you'd have a lot more hype. Sometimes it's weird like that. Like we're, we're seeing an 18 year old in low a popping a 110 Homer at shortstop. And I just don't think he gets enough fanfare. And then you think, Oh, well the glove must not be there then. Right? Like there must be other holes in his game. The only hole in his game was the swing and miss. And again, he was 18 years old playing full season ball. He was one of the younger guys there and he got better in the bat to ball department as the year went on. Swing and miss was crazy, though. He punched out 168 times in a low A season. Yeah, that's what, 32% K rate last year? That That's a crazy high number, though. Eight. Okay, would you rather have been at the complex and, and hit 450? Like, no. You know what I'm saying? Like Most, most yeah. guys, most 18-year-old high school guys were starting half the year at the complex, fluffing up the numbers, and then playing half a year in low A. I do agree. It's, it's high. And I think it's going to get better. He had a low swing rate, got himself into a lot of deep counts, and then a little bit more swing and miss than you'd like to see. But if you queue up from like the last, the last 50 games, strikeout rate drops to 29%, in zone contact rate jumps to 81%, um, and he walked in an 11% clip. So I think it's going to continue to get better. Uh, he's being challenged this year again. He's someone that I think is going to continue to your point, fly under the radar because he's always going to be challenged. And so the numbers might not be totally what he is capable of, but this is a good defender plus arm smooth actions and just a pretty good overall feel for the game of baseball. So I, I'm, I'm excited about him long-term. But I, I do agree. Like the swing and miss is something to monitor. That's why we have a 35 present. But I do think he can grow into a 50 future hit tool. But again, I mean, he is a level ahead for a full season of where he should be at yep. this age. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that like I assume as he gets acclimated, he's not going to be that much of a swing and miss guy. But even if he is, he's got insane pop and he's a good defensive shortstop. Yeah. You know, if he's let's say he's a 25 percent K guy or 27 percent K guy, but he's hitting 25 to 30 home runs and playing great defense at short. I don't think you really care. No, right? like you don't think you really care and stealing some bags. Yeah. Next up, <laughs> big leaguer who we rank. Uh, I literally have the, we have to update that ETA. I guess it's technically right because he did debut last year. Hunter Brown, 46 Houston Astros. Uh He's off to a great start again this year. Uh, just a really good pitcher. It's just that simple. He's just a very talented pitcher who was a stuff over a command guy and now has continued to get better in the command department. Brown's ceiling is a bit hard to peg because I do think he's he's just really, really advanced for a now for a 
24 year old pitcher in terms of like he was stuff over command has figured out the command and it's just getting out the strikeout rates down this year but the walk rate is way down he's pounding the zone more he looks really solid um he's just a really really solid pitching prospect I, I, the reason why we have him at 46 is i do think that the the command is still going to come and go a lot i i'm not as sold on the 39 innings that we've seen from him being what we're going to see from him. I think he's going to be more of a mid three ZRA guy over the larger sample, but this is a really talented pitcher. I'm sold on him because of the talent around him. I'm I'm sold on him because he's stepping into it. A role as the five where, you know, he he's so clearly the five in that rotation. Yeah. Like Fromber's world-class Javier is world-class Luis Garcia. While he has struggled, is really good. Jose Arquiti, we give him shit because he's not good compared to the other Astros starters, but like Jose Arquiti is a very good pitcher. Uh, I think Hunter Brown is the clear cut five right now, and he's getting his opportunity to go out there and and prove that he's a dog. And he's done. So the last two starts seven shut out each of his last two starts. Can't argue with that. 39 innings in his big league career so far, he's got a 138 ERA. Yeah. He might be a guy that, you know, if he wasn't graduating, could probably be up higher. Uh, going into this year, I was a little bit concerned that the command may take a step back, and it hasn't. So with the start that he's had, I mean, it, it looks like he should be higher. Uh, so he's going to graduate before we have time to adjust that. But I do still have some slight concerns with the command overall, but so far it's been really good. So um, I, 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 you can't really say anything about that. And, and you go from the last few starts – Three walks in the first start, two walks in the second start, one walk in the last start. It's hard to to deny that progress. And you mentioned the back-to-back seven-inning outings. So Brown looks like a potential piece here for a long time. Great fastball, good breaking balls. Changeup is just good enough. Uh, if the command is, is what it looks like, he could be a solid middle-of-the-rotation starter for a while. Yeah. Next up, one of the more polarizing prospects – on this list, for whatever reason, I don't totally get it. Colton Kowser, outfield prospect, Baltimore Orioles. Kowser is really good. It's just that's him. He's not hitting as well as we'd like to see out of the gate in AAA this year. But he's a guy that's flown through the minors, just turned 23, and is already in his second stint in AAA. Uh, The problem for him, and I think why we see him uh, be a little bit more polarizing is the struggles against lefties. Uh, he was really bad against lefties last year, but he has big power. I think a very solid field to hit overall, good speed, can play all three outfield spots. I, I have always loved since the draft out of Sam Houston State, I've loved Colton Kowser. And the way he's flown through the minor leagues, I think it's wild that some don't see him as a top 100 prospect because to me, he's almost for sure a top 50 prospect. Yeah, I'm with you on him being a top 50 guy. I I think that I met him with immediate negativity because the Orioles underslotted him at fifth overall. And I was like, oh, here we go. The Orioles, you know, saving a bit of money again. If you have a top five pick, like spend that allotted value on the best player available. And I think at time of draft, it didn't look like Kowser was the best player available. Um, They got a really good player. And the thing that jumps out to me is he's a doubles machine, but he's also an efficient base stealer. Strikeouts are there, but he's a big dude at 6'2, 220 listed. You've got him at 6'3, a buck 95. I think he's a bit heavier than a buck 95. 
Um, I mean, he is – he was, what, 18 for 21 last year in the stolen base department, yeah. two for two so far this year. He's a big guy that can play center field that is stealing bases and can hit the ball out of the ballpark. And if you don't play him against lefties, okay. Last year, 307, 432, 530 against righties with an 82% zone contact, 17 homers. That'll play. 16% walk rate. So he hedges the strikeout rate with a good walk rate. I was, I'm was i a little surprised by the strikeouts. Uh, watching him through college, the, the college video going into the draft, and then uh, you know when I was kind of doing the draft coverage, I really saw an easy – potential plus hit tool here with Kowser. It looks like it's more average, slightly above. I do think he's going to continue to get better in the back-to-ball department, but I'll take it when you are getting plus power, and that's what we've got from Kowser so far. He hit a tank in spring training. What was it, like 470 in spring training? It was something like that. I mean, an absolute mammo shot. Uh, I have it 476 (laughs) off Tyler Malley. Like, that's a nuke. This guy has, you know, when you have a left-handed stick that can play the outfield like that, he reminds me of Josh Lowe a little bit. And Josh Lowe had some of those, like, ups and downs at points and now is really hitting his stride. I, I see some similarities there, and and I loved Josh Lowe. So you can maybe see why I love Colton Kowser. Yeah, and, and Lowe, I honestly think Kowser's ceiling is a bit higher than Josh Lowe. Offensively, yes. Lowe, a better base stealer. Um, probably a better, slightly better to, to – eh, the defense it's close I, I would say Kowser could have a higher ceiling I agree but now Joshua looks like that dude so I, I it's interesting that's what's so fun about the, the fluid aspect of these prospects but I, I could get behind a, a higher Kowser ceiling he does hit the ball harder and further which does matter yes. um, next up number 44 one of the more dynamic prospects again we're in dynamic prospect range over here Harry Ford catcher St. or <laughs> Seattle Mariners. I don't know. I was going to say St. Louis. Seattle Mariners. Uh, we've talked about Ford a little bit. This is one of the most athletic catching prospects you're going to find. Um, how about a plus running catcher with an elite approach? How does that sound? Great. Yeah, you like that? I love it. <laughs> like that's exactly what Harry Ford is. And then you know we get to see him in the World Baseball Classic. We talked about it. Like I didn't like to put too much stock into guys' performances in the World Baseball Classic, but Ford was just sim- simply too good. Yeah, Ford, he was just simply too good in the World Baseball Classic to ignore for a kid of his age. Uh, how raw he is to hold his own on that stage. Um, the defense keeps getting better. He's going to get on base at a high clip. Uh, the power seems to to be above average, uh, potentially. And the hit tool, I think, is coming along. Yeah. I mean, his start to the season has been weird, like really weird. He's hitting a buck 72 in eight games, but he's walked 11 times. He's hitting 172 with a 415 OBP. Um, Ford, I, I, I'm not sure if like high A pitchers want to throw to him right now because of how good the WBC was, but he was a prolific walk getter last year as well. I just don't want to see him walk that much because he's so much fun when he's like putting the ball in play and slapping doubles around and he can leave the yard with some. And I mean, he was 23 for 28 in the stolen base department last year. Ford's WBC, I, I think, made him 
not a household name, but like in terms of prospect people, um, I, I think that's a name that so many people are going to monitor closely because he did it on Fox. He did it on like, you know, national TV on an international stage. Um, so you got really lofty expectations. How do you handle those? I think that this guy with his offensive approach is going to handle those pretty well. So, you know, it's wild. You, you mentioned the weird start. I'm queuing up his last seven games. And let's actually, let's adjust that. Let's go last. This is bizarre. Okay, so his last five games. He's 0 for his last 17. Not great, right? He's still getting on base at a 370 clip. It's so he's weird. Nine times. So he is kind of teetering on that patient versus passive. And that's another thing that you're going to start to hear me say a lot more on the podcast. I've been diving into that pretty heavily. Of that line that you want to toe of patient versus passive, uh, where passive, you are taking good pitches to hit, getting yourself in unnecessarily deep counts, and then leaving it up to chance, right? One bad swing, one bad call, you strike out. That's passive. Patient is, okay, I lay off a pitch on the corner in a hitter's count because I couldn't do much with that. And then, you know, I don't chase on that next pitch. That's a ball further off. And, and I work my walks. I think Ford right now is still feeling out what, what the patient versus passive approach is. Uh, he had a 15% chase rate last year, which is incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. But he struck out too much. Uh, I don't think he's a guy that should be striking out that much. He's not a high volume whiff guy. So that's something that I think he's going to continue to feel out. But it does give him a, a wonderful floor when you're 0 for 20, whatever, and you can still walk nine times and get on base. He's got getting on base at a 415 clip. He's going to hit. I'm not I too worried just, about that. Yeah, I would just be so sad if he was like if he fell into the passive bucket and not the mm-hmm. patient bucket because this guy, he's so exciting. Like just honestly be aggressive, Jason. I want yeah, to see you do that. Dynamic, dynamic, dynamic. I mean, he flies. You mentioned the base stealing. I think that's going to keep getting better. The defense has got really, really, I would say he improved the defense a lot. Uh, you saw it in the World Baseball Classic stage, the way he was receiving, blocking. Such a good athlete. The blocking is there. Um, he's going to get better with the receiving. The arm's solid. Uh, he threw out more runners than you'd expect and got better with that as, it, as the season went on. Um, but heck, man, if it doesn't work as a catcher, you can go play center. There's a lot of Dalton Varsho here, and that's what's really cool about Harry Ford. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just an awesome profile. And I think that he is one of the poster boys of the new generation of catcher. You know, we Correct. talk about JT Real Muto and then it's Adley Rutschman and Gabriel Moreno. They fall into that next generation of that form of catcher. And then you get to Harry Ford and Drew Romo, like those guys that, you know, are, are coming up that are outfielders, center fielders, second baseman that happen. Andy Rodriguez falls into the Harry Ford and Drew Romo conversation. Oh, nailer. Bone, yeah, I mean, like all these guys, all the catching position is going to be so fun. The catching yep. position is going to be so athletic in a couple of years. Isn't it wild how we went from like a, just a, a catching drought to now a bunch of freaks coming through? Dude, uh, I think we sucked for the last couple of years and now it's awesome. Because we revolutionized, I think, the way that we scout. And and what we look for in in catching prospects, and we were you know I, I say we it's not me I didn't do anything um, I, I I didn't work for any teams but you know I, I think you saw teams kind of realize what are we missing the most on they were missing the most on high school catchers and just catchers period the only catchers that they were really succeeding with were the guys that were coming out of college that were com- 
finished products and you just couldn't deny the That's why Joey Bart went second overall. Yeah, and they still missed on those guys. So like catching had become the most impossible position for these teams to evaluate and to have a success rate on. And I think it forced them to overhaul their approach and how they, you know, what they looked for in the catching prospect. And now a lot of the top prospects are catchers. And I'm very inter- interested to see how that translates in the major league talent. But in the early going, it seems like it is. Uh, so teams are finally taking a better approach to catching overall and, and what you can get from that position. Yeah. few more here. We got 43 Gavin Stone, right-handed pitching prospect to Los Angeles Dodgers. We talked about him in the early going of the season this year because he did not get off to his best start. And honestly, he is not really shaken out of it totally yet. Uh, He's been all right. Like he's had a couple good starts. We talked about the bounce back start against Vegas where he went five, uh, five innings, one run, no walks, five Ks. But since then, four innings against Sugarland. Gave up two bombs, which matches the total of what he gave up all last year. Uh, four walks, two Ks. And then again against Sugarland, three and a third, three hits, two runs, one walk, two Ks. Uh, not really the Gavin Stone we saw last year. It's early. Not going to sound the alarms, but I mean, this was a guy that seemed like he was well on his way to, you know, debuting. And it seems like now he's got some stuff he's got to work through. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) That's the thing. If I had any semblance of an idea of what could have changed for Gavin Stone, I I would tell tell you what what's going on. Fastballs down a full tick. Yeah, but like command is bad too. It's it's weird. Fastball down a full tick, change up as a result down a full tick, uh, and the slider is down a tick and a half. So if you're down a tick, the whole arsenal, maybe he's just not trusting it. Yeah, Imagine you give up two home runs all last year. It was two or three. It was three. Three. Imagine you give up three home runs all last year, and then you give up three like in the, in the first few starts. And even to take it a step further than that, imagine you give up six earned runs over two months to close out the season, and then you match that in your first start. To me, I feel like the stuff is down a tick, and now he's not trusting it as much. There might be another reason why the command isn't there. That's my best guess because the mechanics look fine. This is a guy I've watched as much as anybody in the early going because of how peculiar the slow start is from a guy that is as safe and as polished as they come. At least that's what it seemed like at the end of last year and through the duration of last season. We're going to be in a consistent juggle with him and Bobby Miller. And and I think that, you know, Bobby was the guy that was like going to be, hey, the first one up last year. Um, And then going into this year, it was all right. When somebody inevitably gets hurt in that rotation, it's it's going to be stone and like Miller's going to be second. But now it's hey, Miller's hurt and stone doesn't look good. Who's next? I, I don't know. It's so hard. I. Obviously, I still take Stone and Miller over Ryan Pepio, but oh, um, yeah. this is this is a really interesting start to the year for the tandem of Miller and Stone that look like they're going to be, you know, a part of that Dodger rotation for a long time. Stone, the one thing that's still working for him though is that changeup. Uh, changeup's good, man. Opponents thus, thus far, they're they're three for twenty six against it. In uh, zone whiff of thirty seven percent, swinging strike rate of twenty three percent. Like that will give him the floor. But you, you got to figure something out with the fastball, whether it's just the command of it. You got to trust it a bit more like 94 miles an hour on the fastball is not bad. He should be able to still get out at 90, 92 to 94 with that change up and, and the slider. But the fastball and the slider 
he's landing for a strike at just 55%. So maybe it's not a trust issue. Maybe it's simply a command issue. I don't know. Um, but whatever it is, velocity is down one tick and the command is down. But when if he's right – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, if you were to adjust the fastball grade for what you've seen the first three starts, like without factoring in any other start, without factoring in any previous experience that you've seen watching Gavin Stone, you watch these 15 innings that he's thrown, what would you grade the fastball? 35? <laughs> That's a little harsh. 40? Uh, it's, it's, it's 94 still with, with, with good shape. So it's a but 45 or a, I'd say it's a 45. It would be a 45 50. Yeah. Okay. And you've got 55 60 here. Yeah. I mean, it's down a full tick with bad command. The reason why it was a 55 60 last year too, was the way that he commanded it East West. It was her 60, 67% strike rate, 61% just in the zone and East West spotting up down. Didn't matter. Um, yeah, it's it's a forty-five fifty right now. I'm probably at forty-five in the early going this year because the shape isn't totally there either. Um, it's weird. It's weird. But I'm not going to sound the alarms. It's a great, great, great change up. He's shown plenty of reason to believe in the command. I think he can shake off the slow start. Yep. We got one more or two more. Um, two more. Two more. Owen White, a guy that I really like, and is off to like not a slow start, but not the dominant start I was expecting in terms of like the swing and miss, but he's getting outs. So it's been fun to watch. He should be making another start today as we record this. Um, so far he's tossed seven innings and he's not given up a run, which is awesome. He's only punched out five walked three, but only given up two hits. Owen White's just such a high floor arm uh, that I feel so good about being a big league starter that that's what puts him here at 42. Um, Texas Rangers have a good one here. He, he's an under-the-radar guy as well because of the fact that he was drafted in the second round, dealt with injuries, then COVID, then um, comes back in 2021. And that was really the first look we got at him later in 2021, I believe. And then we got to see him in the fall league where that was like his coming out party. He dominated the Arizona fall league. And you don't yeah. see that from pitching prospects, especially guys that you know hadn't thrown much. And then parlayed that into just a really, really, really good season last year. Yeah, this guy how, should be in the big league rotation soon. Yes, for sure. With, with how much a couple of their other notable pitching prospects struggled last year, it was really nice to see what Owen White did, right? Like Cole Wynn, I mean, he was hurt and he stunk when he was out on the hill. Jack Leiter had a year from hell in his first full season of pro ball. So, uh, it was really nice to be able to hang your hat on Owen White if you're Chris Young and you're and you're the front office of the Texas Rangers. Um, Kumar looks good so far. Yeah, but he does. I think Owen White is probably the guy that you're looking at. Like, this is probably our prized possession now uh, in terms of pitching prospects. And that's where we've got him ranked. And I'll say, man, I think he's going to help this team this year. They've got a lot of volatility in that rotation. We just saw DeGrom hit the IL again. Or not hit the IL yet. Yeah, real, real quick. Real so, quick. Four no hit and then right wrist soreness. Yeah, come on. So that's like he's 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 might miss some time. I don't know. I have no idea what right wrist soreness is while you're so throwing stupid. four no. It's Degrom, yeah. man. But you know you got Ivaldi, you've got Heaney. Like you've got a lot of high variance arms. White could balance that out and also should be the first guy ready to plug and play. Um, he's just the command is plus. 
The fastball shape is great. He gets plenty of in zone whiff on it. Uh, the slider is nasty. That's an easy plus pitch. And then the changeup is above average, plays up well because of the quality of the fastball. Last year, opponents had a 568 OPS, 40% K rate against the slider. And against this fastball, they hit 222 with a 33% K rate. So uh, this is a really, really good pitcher. High floor, should be a solid middle rotation arm for a long time. Yep. Last but not least, Sal Freelich, outfielder, Milwaukee Brewers. Not off to a Sal Freelich start, um, which is wild because he torched triple last year uh, when he got up there. But so far, it has just not been great for him. 189 through the first 14 games. Uh, he's just not hitting the ball very hard. He's not whiffing, which is the good news. But just a lot of weak contact. A lot, a lot of weak contact. What he did last year was remarkable. Flying through double A, triple A, putting up good numbers, surprising you with some sneaky pop as well. 11 home runs. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just not been there for him in the early going this year. Not worried about it. He's about to turn 23. He's a plus-plus runner. Plus makeup. Great, obviously a, a plus plus hitter. Um, he should be fine. Yes, <laughs> he should be. Uh, hope so. 119 games last year. He had 331. Man, like <laughs> that's so much fun. I love it. It's it's not Quan in terms of zone contact. It's more pop than Quan, but like it is the Quan type bucket that you throw Sal Freelick into, and I love that type of baseball player. High batting average, going to walk enough, not going to punch out, going to hit enough homers. I mean, like, who is the guy? I, I don't know if there's a guy, but there are 10 that are making their way into the forefront of Major League Baseball right now that are built like this, that yeah. can hit 300 every year. And I think Sal Freelick is a guy that, you know, if everything goes right, he can hit 300 with a really low K rate every year. His last 60 games last year were you – know, I. I think pretty, pretty Quan esque. Uh, he hit 361, and that was uh, overlapping with double and then finishing in triple. 361, yeah. 431, 522. 9% walk rate, 7% K rate, 92% zone contact. I just seven I homers. Love that. Seven homers <laughs> I, in Nashville. I love that. Yeah. So he's hitting the ball hard too, like hard enough. Higher exit velocities than Stephen Kwan. Zone contact is a, is a niche below, like a, a slight notch below, but, but, He's hitting the ball harder, so and I, he's faster. So I, I think there's more upside here than Stephen Kwan. Obviously, Kwan was the 100th percent out, 100th percentile outcome of Stephen Kwan, which is yeah. pretty pretty cool. You don't get to see guys hit their 100th percentile outcome. Kwan hit his 100th percentile outcome, and his rookie Freelix, Freelix's 100th percentile outcome is better than that. It's unlikely that he hits that, but I think he can be something very very close to Kwan or or slightly better if it works out. So. That's a really fun prospect. Baseball is cyclical. I think we're seeing a lot more Sal Freelix start to make their way into the game. I think teams are going to start to prioritize those guys more. You're looking at what Luis Arias is doing for the Marlins in the early going this year. You're seeing a lot of those types of players starting to make themselves valuable because they were phased out so dramatically. It's not good when you got three guys like that or four guys like that in your lineup. But when you got one or two, that puts your team over the top. And I think baseball is realizing they went too far the other way. But that said, Freelick gives you enough power, just enough to where you're not selling your morals. If you're a lift it and hit it hard, you know, or nothing kind of guy, he still is able to hit it hard enough. In what game can Joey Gallo and Sal Freelick both excel? 
baseball, baby. Only baseball, baby. We love baseball. I love that. I love that. Well, that's a great place to leave it at. We have the top 40 to look forward to in the coming episodes. Hope you enjoyed this episode as we fly through it. Remember, if you didn't catch the other ones, go to our YouTube to see the other ones, or you can go check the previous episodes where we've been doing about 15 at a time, and we will be continuing to roll through this throughout the rest of the week and moving forward. And then it'll be a lot of minor league coverage throughout the season and a lot of interviews that you should be looking forward to with some high profile prospects coming up. Once we finish this top 100 list, as always, thank you for listening. Look forward to talking prospects with you later this week. 